Welcome to the Sports Analytics Podcast, your source of information you can use along your journey in the world of sports analytics. Through interviews with experts and thought leaders, we'll uncover how data science, artificial intelligence, and analysis tools are being used for competitive advantage in sports. We'll also explore industry trends and career opportunities. So now, hold on to your data, folks, because this program is ready to launch. It will take the computer a few moments to compile the information. Here is your host, Terry Frederick. It was October 31st, 2019, what now seems like a long, long time ago. On that day, the Washington Nationals won Game 7 and became the champions of Major League Baseball. So here's a question. I mean, this is a sports analytics show. How does sports analytics help the Washington Nationals win? Well, my special guest today knows a little something about that. He started with the Nats back in 2013 as an intern, worked his way up the ranks in the front office with roles as an analyst in research and development and baseball operations. He is now the assistant general manager of baseball operations for the world champion Washington Nationals. Please welcome to the show, Mike DiBartolo. Oh, thanks for having me, Terry. Happy to be here. So what I was hoping we could do today, Mike, is... Maybe give insight into this thing called baseball analytics and how the Nats have leveraged that to their success. And we'll dive into a couple of topics. But let me give you a little chance to tell our viewers maybe a little bit about you. Maybe I didn't share. Sure. Um, well, yeah, so I grew up in the Boston area. Um, and, uh, you know, always streamed to working in a baseball front office, but uh, didn't have much of a playing background, you know, that ended in, in little league. Um, and, uh, you know, went to Tufts university in, in Boston area, um, majored in economics and, uh, pursued, you know, trying to work for a baseball team in the front office. That was always my dream job. Uh, you know, a little bit there, um, and didn't have much success in that regard. And that was, you know, around 2004, five, six, most teams, uh, still didn't even have analytics departments. You know, this is right after Moneyball came out. Uh, mm-hmm. went to uh, work at an investment consulting firm upon graduation because I sort of felt like that was, you know, somewhat similar in terms of some of the skills you'd need to work in a front office where you're mixing, you know, objective and subjective data uh, to make to make decisions, in that case, investment decisions. Um, I did that for, you know, close to five years and went to business school at Columbia Business School and, you know, at that time still considered you know, uh, that I was most likely to work in the investment field, but I just found that I was, you know, much more passionate about pursuing this dream of working in baseball. So, um, you know, I did a lot of baseball research on the side over those years and kind of used that time in business school to, to uh, get an internship with the Nationals, you know, going to the, the baseball winter meetings. And from there, you know, getting that internship in baseball operations, just, uh, you know, c- continue that career path, you know, eventually getting hired full time and, uh, working my way up. So it's, it's been a, you know, kind of circuitous journey, but a very interesting and fulfilling one. Happy to kind of dig into any of those areas, you know, in more detail as you like. So I noticed that uh, it looks like the passion for baseball was uh, kind of started seeing that when you were at Tufts. I mean, you were involved mm-hmm. with the uh, covering Major League Baseball and mm-hmm. with the Tufts Daily Newspaper. And, and so, yeah, cool stuff. 
Well, let's dive into a couple of questions I have. And, uh, you know, I'm curious about, you know, the use of analytics today, I'm sure has evolved so much from the days of Billy Bean and Moneyball and the amount of data that is now available to use. Uh, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, how do the Washington Nationals uh, boil down, you know, all that data, the usable information that factored into the team's success? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you hit the nail on the head in terms of kind of this this broad evolution over time. So, you know, starting with, you know, the Moneyball era in the early 2000s, even, you know, into the late you know, into later that decade and 2010 and beyond, you know, most of the emphasis was on performance analytics and, and really using a lot of publicly available data to, um, you know, just evaluate a player's performance. And, you know, certainly we do that, but, it, you know, the game has really evolved, especially over the last, you know, five to 10 years, where now you're finding um, new sources of information and new ways of um, looking at things across you know, the spectrum in, in baseball. So that means, you know, certainly still these front office decisions and, and, and uh, using performance analysis to evaluate players, but also, you know, in, you know, advanced scouting, you know, game preparation, uh, individual player improvements, player development. Um, so, you know, uh, even increasingly in, the, you know, the medical field, so injury prevention. So you've really seen, you know, a really significant growth and then we use it in all of those areas. So, you know, Mike Rizzo, our general manager, you know, has always been clear that the foundation of our organization is scouting and player development, um, but also clear that we use analytics in, in really every facet of, of decision-making in all of those areas I mentioned. So, you know, from building the roster, you know, we're, we're evaluating information about how players performed, uh, you know, analyzing that, projections about how the players expected to perform in the future. Um, you know, and that can translate into how that type of production is valued in the free agent market, in the trade market. Um, you know, so we're using that in all these big picture decisions on building the roster, but also in terms of game preparation. You know, our we have a research and development department of 12 full-time people that's putting together information for our advanced report as well for each series. Um, so that helps, you know, supplement and complement the work of our advanced scouting team. Um, you know, we've got an advanced scout in the stands and, and three members of advanced scouting that work uh, with video as well, you know, the travel with the team. And then we use our analytical information as part of that as well to combine into an advanced report to plan for, for each series. So, um, you know, that information can be how to attack, you know, particular players on the other team, um, recommended types of field or positioning, um, you know, so, uh, you know, things running the gamut there. And then also, you know, player developments increasingly using analytical information, you know, pitch tracking software, uh, bat sensor data, you know, we're, we're using all of that. So it's really, you know, filtered across all facets of, of the baseball operation. Yeah. Yeah. The roster building, salary cap, player development. Uh, and I would imagine, you know, not on the field stuff, even analytics is being used quite extensively you know, and ticket sales and, and fan experience and all that stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's not as the area that I'm, you know, as, as familiar with or, or that I work with, but, but that's absolutely right. I mean, every team I think now is, is using more and more analytical data for, for ticket pricing and all these, you know, business decisions as well. You know, my focus is purely on the baseball side, but there's, there's no doubt it's, you know, it's, it's uh, used heavily throughout the organization. Well, you touched on it, the, 
the staff, I'm sure, of Major League Baseball teams just has exploded and grown to handle all the facets of this data and, and all the all the categories. Uh, so I think you mentioned, you know, the, the size of staff you have. And uh, I think the industry in general for all sports will continue to grow in the opportunities for people seeking careers in sports analytics. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right. And, and it's increasingly becoming more specialized as well. So, you know, whereas, uh, you know, 2012, to, you know, in 2014, 15, I was, you know, an analyst in, in research and development or manager of research and development. It was, you know, a department of about one or two people. Um, and, uh, you know, at this point we have an assistant GM who, separately, Sam Mondry Cohen, who's the head of our research and development department. And, you know, he works, he's got two directors, um, below him, one who's more research focused and one who's more focused on web development. And then, you know, six analysts, uh, two web developers and a data engineer. So, uh, wow. yeah, so it's, you know, and that's just the growth in the last, you know, five, six years. So, um, it's really, you know, an increasing area. And, and, and I expect it just to continue across baseball because there are more and more sources of data, um, coming out there, uh, more and more specialized skills and, and tools in terms of programming and, uh, web development that are needed. So it's, uh, it's something I expect to continue. Yeah. Yeah. And we know the growth of data is just going to be, uh, more and more, which leads me to my next question is your views and thoughts on, given all this information that's available, when does the information become too much uh, from the perspective of on-the-field performance by players? Uh, because we know that you know uh, when the batter's in the batter's box, uh, they probably have a few milliseconds to decide to swing or not. Right. And how do we not overwhelm players with this information so that we can really get their natural ability to kick in but still use – all this information to an advantage? Yeah, it's a very good question. And, you know, there's several factors there. You know, certainly um, knowing knowing your audience and and uh, spending a, a lot of time there in terms of which which players are, you know, potentially going to be more receptive and, you know, to, to, uh, um, you know, wanting this information and how best to kind of tailor the message to ensure it it gets adopted. So, um, you know, it's, it's not something where we want to come in, you know, from the front office and start dictating things and, um, overwhelming people. And, and that, you know, that can end up being counterproductive certainly. So, you know, a lot of it goes, a lot of thought goes into uh, the best way to sort of implement, uh, some ideas or, um, things, things we want to, uh, get going on the field. So, you know, the coaching staff plays a, a big role there um, in terms of getting the message out and, and how best to kind of tailor that message to, to particular players, um, what information they feel most comfortable um, passing along and, and how to do it. So, you know, certainly the coaching staff has, has an enormous impact there and they're usually the ones who are um, communicating that info. Um, it can kind of depend on the situation, but um yeah, it's 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 really just a, a question of knowing um, knowing the players and spending a lot of time uh, understanding how they're thinking about things. And uh, yeah, you can certainly have paralysis by analysis if you know the message mm-hmm. isn't carefully um, tailored and communicated. So you know, organizationally, we tend to be more of a bottom up um, organization analytically, in, in the sense of. Um, 
you know, we try to be really receptive to what our players want, what they're asking for, and, and letting them come to us with a lot of uh, questions. Um, that doesn't mean certainly that we're not, um, you know, providing ideas or thoughts or, or recommendations as well uh, from the front office. But, you know, we really try to let it be uh, player driven and uh, be very receptive to that. And, and then, you know, when you're getting the players coming to you asking for information, um, that certainly, of course, makes it, uh, you know, a, a much more kind of two-way conversation and, and, and the, the um, openness and, and the reception to these things can be, um, you know, a lot, more, a lot more quick. But at the same time, you know, we're very aware that a lot of the kind of these topics, you know, that come from, you know, principles of analytics and things like that aren't always the most either intuitive or certainly very different from um, kind of traditional baseball thinking. And so, uh, you know, whether that's things like shifting and, and field of positioning and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there has to be kind of an acknowledgement and understanding uh, f- from the front office as well that you know, it can take a, a quite a bit of time, you know, for these for some um, things to take hold. So, you know, our, our you know, increased use of shifting has, has happened over a period of you know, several years um, you know, it hasn't been something where we've just kind of come down and mandated something. It's been constant conversations and research and uh, back and forth with you know members of the coaching staff, players, front office, um, player development staff for you know many years. Um, and what and other teams are doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 absolutely that certainly plays. Um, you know, we're not just going to you know quote unquote, follow the leader and just blindly kind of do what other teams are doing. But it's certainly, you know, if our research is uh, validating um, things that are out there, then certainly the more and more that other teams are doing it, I think, um, you know, it, it certainly uh, uh, can, can move that ball forward as well. You know, when you're seeing it, other teams shifting a lot more, or, you know, hitters hitting into the shift and being frustrated, you know, like that, that, um, you know, can be used to our advantage in terms of showing pitchers why it, why it can have value. That, no question. Time for a short break. But before we do, I have a baseball trivia question for you. Moneyball, the book and movie, both chronicled the emergence of analytics in baseball. In the 2002 amateur draft, the Oakland A's GM, Billy Bean, used sabermetric analysis to target 20 players he wanted in the draft. How many did he actually get? Find out after the break. You know, in these unprecedented times, we're dealing with the world health crisis. I wanted to take a minute and shed some light on a serious issue that was with us before the health crisis and is still a big problem. And that is food insecurity, especially for kids. I just want to mention that if you can, please consider donating to a food bank. FeedingAmerica.org is a great website to find a food bank in your area. All right, before the break, I asked, of the 20 players Billy Bean targeted in the 2002 amateur draft, how many did he get? Well, it was a whopping 13. At the time, this was unprecedented. No GM before had ever finished the draft with more than six of their top choices. And most GMs are lucky to even get their top two or three choices. Amazing. Okay, let's get back to my interview with Washington Nationals Assistant General Manager, Mike DiPartolo. What are the biggest challenges 
or areas of improvement for really leveraging analytics to be more effective and useful. So you maintain that advantage because Mm -hmm. we all know everybody's kind of got this data and it's kind of how they're leveraging it. And, and we know those, those advantages are, 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 are only temporary. So you have to get onto the next thing. Mm -hmm. Like how, how do you stay out in front of all that? Yeah, I think a few things. I mean, one of the challenges, you know, to the point we just talked about is still just how best to convey the message and and to to get things adopted. Um, So, um, you know, you're seeing more and more teams, you know, hiring, um, you know, recent ex-players, for example, that are open-minded and good communicators and and might be even, you know, more persuasive to getting, you know, players on the field to adopt something than, you know, somebody from the front office, for example. So I think there's a lot of emphasis from, from teams on you know how best to, to communicate this information, how to um, best uh, enable it to be understood in, in a way that can be easily adopted. So that's that's certainly you know still one of the biggest challenges because you know you can have the best analysis in the world, but if if either people aren't listening to it or receptive to it or um, you know, it's, it's not well understood, then it's just not, not going to get adopted and have no impact. So that remains, you know, uh, certainly one of the biggest challenges, I think, you know, to your earlier point, you know, kind of keeping up with what other teams are doing, um, you know, that ties into to staffing and, and remains, you know, an ongoing challenge is, you know, you can be doing a great job and have an extremely talented, hardworking staff that's, that's, that's doing excellent work, but, um, you know, even if you're, even if you're maintaining uh, a static staff like that, that's, that's doing, uh, really interesting and excellent work, you know, if other teams are putting more and more resources and adding more and more people, uh, you know, you, you can fall behind. So it's, it's, um, you it's know, an it's, arms it's, race. <laughs> yeah, it's an arms race and it's an ongoing kind of challenge and struggle that you've got to be cognizant of. So we've, you know, we have added, uh, several staff, as I mentioned. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're one of the largest you know, research and development teams in, in Major League Baseball. So it's it's uh, just a challenge to sort of um, to continue to keep up and continue to uh, add resources and uh, make sure you're 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 doing all you can to, to maintain that edge. So it's something we're certainly cognizant of. And and, and constantly adding resources too, but it's it's an ongoing. It really is just a, a an ongoing challenge. Mm-hmm. So we know that there's going to be more and more data, and we know this thing called baseball analytics is, you know, leveraging people that do sports analytics. And now, I think I'm seeing more and more uh, people with titles called data scientists showing Mm -hmm. up, you know, on NBA staffs, on Major League Baseball staffs. And now we've got this thing coming, or it's probably here, called artificial intelligence. Where do you see that work going in the future with uh, analytics and baseball? Yeah, I think um, certainly, you know, some of those techniques uh, that you're talking about, you know, we've been utilizing uh, for some time. and And to your point, it will only grow as you know, there are more data sources. So, you know, you're seeing more and more player tracking technology, more large and complex data sets. You're seeing more um, data on, you know, wearable technology and, and things like that. So, you know, I think you're just going to see continued growth in terms of, 
in terms of new data sources, in terms of the complexity of data sources. And, and that really means, you know, specialized skills to, to analyze this data. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I expect that will just uh, continue. And, you know, you're seeing more and more growth, especially in the areas of, um, you know, injury prevention, um, where you know, it takes a lot of significant time and investment to, to kind of build some data set that, that um, uh, can house some of that information and really to get actionable information from it as well. So, um, but that's an area that I think you're going to see, you know, continued growth. Um, you know, there's a lot on uh, kind of in, in baseball, um, markerless motion capture technology and kind of looking at biomechanics and, and studying those and the motion of the body. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's an area of increased emphasis as well. So, uh, and then player development, certainly, um, you know, tracking, tracking the swings and tracking, you know, pitch track technology and, and, and how to kind of get the most uh, out of players and looking at new ways to kind of tweak things. Um, you know, it's just, uh, those are all areas that I think are, are really going to be, um, you know, con- continuing to emerge across baseball. Yes. Yes. So I think, I think you touched on, I know the NBA, we call it load management, I mm-hmm. guess, uh, I guess it's similar in baseball, uh, you know, different, different stress on the body in baseball. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of the, this season is so long, uh, and, uh, yeah, all that science to help players stay on the field. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing, similar to the NBA, you know, you're seeing more and more kind of sports science departments. Um, you know, those are things that really didn't exist in, in baseball, you know, a few years ago. And uh, more and more teams have them, um, you know, sports performance, sports science, uh, a lot of that. So that's, yeah, that's uh, going to continue to be an emphasis. So I have one more topic, and uh, I'll let you get on out of here and get on with your day. Uh, so your career is really interesting. I mean, you went the path of, uh, you know, followed this passion of baseball and, uh, and started out as an intern and worked your way to where you are now. What kind of advice would you have for someone seeking a career in sports analytics? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think certainly for me, it's, you know, you've got to have some skills, ideas, or something really, you know, it, it sounds, you know, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, you know, this sounds either cliched or, or basic, but, but fundamentally, this is what it comes down to, I think. Um, you know, you've got to have some skills, ideas, or, or something like that to, to make the team better in some capacity. That's really what, what teams are looking for. And, and really being realistic, you know, about uh, having those and building those, those skills through the careful study of, of the industry. So, um, you know, as part of that, I mean, you know, hard work and intelligence are obviously you know, extremely valuable, but are really not sufficient, um, to, to getting a job in, in sports analytics. And, you know, we, we put out, uh, internships and, and things like that. And, you know, we get hundreds of applications for, for a single internship and, you know, vast majority of those applications are people who, you know, clearly hard workers have, you know, an impressive resume or smart people. Um, and, and so the question really becomes, um, you know, from these hundreds of resumes of, of people, uh, like that, how, how do you differentiate yourself? And so I think, um, that m- might be a research project, 
um, you know, that you've done that can really demonstrate whether it's, you know, uh, programming skills, uh, you know, strong technical skills of, of some sort to really show you can, you can come in and, um, make an impact in a front office, um, right away and make the team better. Cause ultimately it's about, you know, these teams are just trying to win as many games as they can. So, so how can you the candidate, you know, help us win more games, um, you know, uh, aside from, you know, you, you work hard and, and follow the game closely and, and, uh, you know, are a smart person and really want to, want to help, you know, um, the, you know, unfortunately given just how competitive it is, you need more than that. So, um, you know, from my, uh, experience, you know, I, I was doing a lot of my own public research. Um, you know, I did an independent study on analyzing the draft, um, in major league baseball and potential strategies, um, that could be used, uh, right after the new collective bargaining agreement came out, you know, the 2011, 2012 kind of time frame, and, um, really studied that, analyzed it, built my own data set and, um, you know, tried to explore ways, uh, you know, different strategies teams might be able to use and how effective they might be in, in, in terms of their spending in the amateur draft and, you know, sent that to, you know, the nationals and other teams, just as an example of, um, the type of value I, th- I thought I could bring. So right. providing um, value and taking that initiative to, to, to do a project. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, I don't have any other questions for you unless you have anything else you'd like to share about the, uh, the world of baseball analytics with, uh, you know, a, a very successful baseball team. Uh, if I'll let you have a few closing comments, if you wish, and we'll get on out of here. Oh, well, I appreciate appreciate the time, Terry. No, it's been it's been fun talking with you, and uh, you know, for those folks that are that are interested in, in you know analytics and, and sports, I'd uh, you know just recommend kind of continuing with um, you know closely follow uh, you know the industry, watch what the decision makers on on teams are doing and how they're thinking about things. You know whether it's you know public comments and, and especially analyzing the decisions yourself and, and try to do some original uh, research that can really show your, um, you know, how you can bring value to a team. And I think that'll be you know, a really good first step to, to getting your foot in the door. And, and to the extent people are you know, interested in pursuing that career path, I, you know, also stress, certainly it's, it's not, uh, as glamorous as it might seem from the outside and really involves a lot of sacrifices in terms of hard work. Uh, yeah. Hard work <laughs> and time. And, you know, it's, 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 Certainly, um, you know, as you're trying to break into the industry, uh, you know, financially, it, it's it's uh, challenging, and you know, um, so you know, you don't have a lot of free time, and and those are all things to kind of weigh and, and just try to learn more about the industry before kind of jumping in and assuming you know this is the, the, the only thing you want to do. So just keep talking to as many people as you can and, and learning, and uh, mm-hmm. it certainly can be a very very fulfilling uh, industry as well. Fantastic. Good stuff. All right, Mike, I want to thank you again for coming on the show today. I think uh, we covered a lot of good topics, very interesting things. I learned something new every time I talk to folks, and I certainly learned something today. No, I'm glad to hear it. It was fun talking with you, Terry. Fantastic. All right, Mike, thanks so much, and uh, good luck to – Hopefully, getting this baseball season started. I'm dying. To, I my my routine during the day is 
at the end of the day, sit down, turn on the TV, and look for baseball. And it's not there. <laughs> I know. I appreciate it. I know the feeling. We're, we're eager to try to defend our, our crown, too. So we got yes, to get yes. out there. But it's uh, obviously a you know, challenging health environment, and everybody's got to be careful and safe. So we'll just we'll, we'll see how yep. it plays out, and hopefully everybody uh, stays healthy and safe and does the best. best yep, we'll get through it. There will be baseball again. Yep, absolutely. All right, Mike. Thanks a million. Thanks, this, that's a wrap for the show, and uh, good luck and and stay safe and well. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, you too. And that does it. But before I go, here are some value bombs from the show. The Washington Nationals tend to be a bottom-up organization analytically. Analytic needs are player-driven, but at the same time, the front office is also providing analytic ideas, thoughts, and recommendations to players and coaches. It's a two-way street. A big part of staying ahead in analytics is how best to convey the message and to get things adopted. Hiring recent ex-players who are open-minded, good communicators, and more persuasive to getting players to adopt something is key. When seeking a career in sports analytics, a discriminator in the competitive hiring landscape is that teams are looking for people with the skills and ideas to help make the team better. Okay, please listen next week as my guest will be Tyler Heaps, who is the Director of Sporting Analytics at the U.S. Soccer Federation. You can find show notes, summaries, and resources mentioned on the show at my website, terrylfrederick.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y-L-F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K.com. Please subscribe to my show. I'm in all the directories. A rating or comment helps me make the show better. Well, that does it for today. Thanks for listening.